TV. It's supposed to be a fun and entertaining way to escape from reality, to relax and be entertained with friends and family. It's supposed to be safe, right? But what happens when TV is hijacked? Today, we're looking at one of the most notorious television hijackings of all time. So don't touch that dial. And let's get weird. What's up, you fabulous weirdos? And welcome to the Weirdoverse. I'm your host, J.D. Ross, and you are tuned into Weirdwide, your favorite digital cult. Hope everybody's having a good week out there. I'm having a really good week so far. I uh, had a great weekend, got away a little bit, got down, uh, got to visit some family, hang, hung out with my sister, did a bunch of, you know, honestly, honestly, guys out there, if if you're not doing like self-care shit, you really need to get on the self-care train. Like I did a face mask. I did like a hand mask. The most gnarly shit of all, though, is we did a foot peel. So what you do with a foot peel is you wear this like fucking plastic booty thing for like an hour and a half. And what it does is it soaks this serum into your feet. And then after a week or so, your feet start to like, they, they start to peel like you got sunburn. But after you get all the peel off there, your feet feel super smooth, super great, really rejuvenative, all that good shit. Uh, I'm just saying any of you dudes out there that are not doing this, that are not living the self-care life, you got to get on it. You got to get on it, man. I also finally got around to seeing Megan. Uh, I wanted to see it in theaters, but didn't get a chance. But I really did enjoy it. Uh, and I got a hot take that I'm not sure if everybody at home who's seen it is going to agree with. But the first person that Megan, like, really killed, like, that little boy, the one that was, like, kind of messing with the girl and uh, he, like, slammed a fucking spiky fruit thing into her hand like a dick i'm gonna be honest i really didn't feel bad for him i was kind of on megan's side with that particular kill like some of the other kills maybe a little questionable that particular kill though i'm just saying got his ear ripped off got thrown into traffic i think the kid had it coming not gonna lie but that's enough about me and my relaxing weekend you came for the weirdness and the weirdness you shall have but before we get to the weirdness let's check in with everyone's favorite little disembodied alien larry Larry, so today one of the things that we're going to be talking about is signal hijacking. So if you could, tell us a little bit what you think about that. You know, I actually have a lot to say about this one because humans are always sending their stupid TV shows into outer space. And that crap always interrupts what we're watching on my home planet. And I really have to say that the way aliens are portrayed on human television is bullshit. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, ALF. That is a ridiculous portrayal, implying that we eat cats. It's a harmful stereotype, and it's honestly xenophobic. Conehead's got it right, though. I knew a guy just like Belbar. All right, well, I guess I would say we would try to be uh, less xenophobic to Larry's home planet, but we can't even do that on our own planet, so I don't, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. All right, enough nonsense. Let's get into it. All right, so today we're going to be talking about a couple things. We're going to be talking about the concept of signal hijacking, which is what leads us to talking about probably one of the most prolific signal hijackings in history, which is the Max Headroom incident, how it was done, how seriously it was taken, et cetera, et cetera. And then before we close out, we'll touch on a couple other famous signal hijackings. So I guess we got to start with figuring out exactly what is a signal hijacking. So a signal hijacking, officially known as a broadcast signal intrusion, it's where someone literally hacks into a signal to broadcast their own signal. So you can do this with radio, you can do it with television. 
And the weird thing is you don't have to be like a professional. Maybe back in the 80s when the max headroom thing actually happened, you maybe needed a little bit better equipment. But nowadays, really all that you need, especially for like a radio signal, is an FM transmitter that can overpower the actual frequency and then kind of just tune Tune the tune the other frequency out, tune yours in. The television ones do get a lot more press, but apparently this actually happens a lot more with radio, a lot more frequently than it does with television. So someone will basically hack into like a terrestrial radio signal and just broadcast their own nonsense. Now, while the big focus for this one is the Max Headroom incident in the 80s, the Max Headroom incident wasn't the first time that this had happened. One of the earliest and possibly the first, at least the first like well-known, happened on November 26, 1977 in the UK. During a news bulletin on the UK's Southern Television Network, an audio message began to come through that claimed it was from outer space. The message was from a being called Vrillon of the Ashtar Galactic Command. That's right. Even on some weird shit like this, we somehow still got aliens in there. Good job, everybody. Good job. Now, while it didn't actually interrupt the video itself, it interrupted the audio with a six-minute speech about the destiny of the human race and a disaster to affect your world and the beings of other worlds around you. Pretty crazy shit. Now, arguably the most famous of the signal hijackings was in 1987 with the Max Headroom hijacking. But before we get ahead of ourselves a little bit, I feel like we need to meet who Max Headroom is, because I feel like that's part of what makes this particular hijacking so unique in the world of broadcast hijackings, because there was a lot of, there, there just seemed to be some symbolism with this one. The Max Headroom symbolism seems very purposeful to me. So who is Max Headroom, the character? So Max Headroom is an 80s media personality advertised as the first computer-generated TV presenter. He was portrayed by actor Matt Frewer. He's kind of stayed in the sci-fi a lot, but he's also dipped his toe in horror a little bit. He played the lead in the second Lawnmower Man movie. He played the, uh, he played the character Job Smith. He was also the dad next door in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Remember the dad that was like fed up living next to a crazy mad scientist? That's Matt Frewer. Now, while Max was presented as like a CGI character of sorts, this was the 80s. So this was way before the technology that we have now for CGI. So Max actually, while he looks like a computer-generated image, is actually just Frewer in prosthetic makeup, contact lenses, and all kinds of other lighting, other kind of like practical effects to try to make it seem as though he is a digital incarnation. It was usually kind of like witty and arrogant. You know, he goes for kind of a comical, comical approach to things as a, as a TV presenter. And he was kind of written as a, as an exaggeration of the worst tendencies of television hosts from the 1980s. Part of that approach being the attempt to appeal to the youth culture while not actually being a part of it. How do you do, fellow kids? Max was introduced in April of 1985 on Channel 4, which is a British broadcasting network, on the on the cyberpunk TV movie, Max Headroom, 20 minutes into the future. So in his origin story, Edison Carter is a journalist who challenges a lot of the big corporations and the politicians and things like that. Well, while running away from bad guys in some kind of parking garage, he attempts to make his escape riding a motorcycle, but is knocked onto his ass after he hits an entrance barrier that reads Max Headroom 2.3 meters. So this is back when these like barrier things would read height instead of Max height, it would say Max Headroom. And that's where the name of the character comes from. Now, as Edison Carter lays unconscious, an AI program based on his mind is created and the AI develops into what is identified as Max Headroom. So Carter's consciousness is kind of uploaded onto the digital sphere 
as a personality called Max Headroom. Now, a lot of us today probably don't even remember Max Headroom. I don't actually specifically remember Max Headroom because I grew up because I grew up after the 80s. So a lot of us who were born after the 80s probably don't actually recognize him completely. However, his influence is one of those things where it has gone beyond himself a little bit. He's been referenced in a couple different media outlets. So if you remember uh, Back to the Future Part 2, when Marty's in the, when Marty's in the 80s style diner and they have all the creepy characters like Re- Ronald Reagan is one of them. It's like a digital Ronald Reagan. And it's like all, all sputtering and and then there's like a digital Michael Jackson. All of that is based on the idea of Max Headroom. And more recently than that, if you've seen Eminem's 2013 Rap God music video, he's portrayed as Max Headroom quite a bit throughout the whole thing. That's kind of the whole the whole concept is he takes he takes on the Max Headroom persona. Max did have some popularity throughout the 80s, though. He was kind of one of the weird, like, this is going to be the future, like, we live in the future, the future is soon kind of concept characters. He was even the spokesman for New Coke while that was a thing. Now, I mention that because that is a weird detail, but that is going to kind of come up in the actual incident. As far as Max Headroom being associated with cyberpunk, he's kind of like just a part, just one of the one of the ingredients of the 80s that had led to like a future spike in cyberpunk as a culture, subculture or, you know, even fictional setting and things like that. You got things like the Sprawl trilogy. So like Neuromancer by uh, William Gibson, you know, you've got things like cyberpunk, the actual like the role playing game that eventually got developed into into cyberpunk 2077 as we know it today a lot of these things had their origins in the 80s and even further back than that so you even start to see a lot of the aesthetic in the 80s change towards more of a cyberpunk vibe a lot of the you know a lot of the colorful imagery you know it's 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 like it's colorful and it's fast and it's fun but that all hides like a grime you know that all hides like this grime of like corporate greed and corporate excess things like that and basically corporations kind of taking more of a control in the real world, which unfortunately is pretty much the only thing that I can tell from the cyberpunk theme that has actually come to fruition. We were supposed to have flying cars by now. We don't. And I'm still pissed about that. All right. So now that we know a little bit more about Max, the character, let's switch gears to the actual intrusion incident. Now, I say incident because most people know about the more famous one, but there's actually multiple incidents that happened with the Max Headroom intrusion situation. The incidents occurred on November 22nd, 1987 in Chicago, Illinois. The first and lesser known incident, which actually apparently doesn't have any official video, happened during the 9 o'clock news on WGN. News anchor Dan Roan was recapping the highlights of the recent Chicago Bears game, Stop Bears, when suddenly the intrusion happened. Now, there was no audio with it, but there's only a low buzzing sound and, I, and a little bit, I believe a little bit of the imagery of the guy in the Max Headroom mask kind of starting to come through. But it only lasted 25 seconds, and they didn't seem to accomplish the goal they were going for at this point. Engineers at the station were able to cut the signal intrusion and stop, and stop the broadcast quickly, which stopped the intrusion in its tracks. Dan Roan, obviously confused by the event himself, kind of looked at the camera going, if you're wondering what just happened, so am I. <laughs> Having been stopped the first time, the people behind the intrusion decided to try again, about two hours later on the Chicago station WTTW, while a rerun of Doctor Who was playing. This time, the audio did work. What preceded was a very eerie event, especially for the time. This time it lasted about 90 seconds, and for some reason the station engineers weren't able to cut the signal. So here's this dude in a Max Headroom mask, which looks which looks freaky as hell, with a kind of corrugated background uh, to kind of make it look like the geometric stuff that Max Headroom has behind him most of the time. The mass figure had now successfully intruded on the signal and was broadcasting live to the Chicagoland area. 
What came next was nonsensical and kind of eerie. He started going on about a bunch of different nonsense, like kind of babbling incoherently, it seemed, talking about nerds, calling uh, calling WGN sportscaster Chuck Swirsky a freaking liberal, held up a can of Pepsi and started saying, catch the wave, which was a reference to New Coke because their slogan was catch the wave. And Max was the spokesperson for New Coke. Fake Max held up a middle finger with what appeared to be a hollowed out dildo. Went through a bunch of random song snippets and a bunch of like kind of background noise going on. A bunch of well, a bunch of nonsense that was coming through. He pretended to take a shit, complaining about his about piles of shit on the floor. Talking about he made a giant masterpiece for all the greatest news for all the uh, all the greatest newspaper nerds of the world. Made a Michael Jackson reference with a glove. And then from there, he proceeded to pull his uh, pull his pants down. And a, randomly, a chick in a, a French maid costume comes out with a fly swatter and starts spanking the shit out of him, yelling, bend over, bitch, which followed the fake Max screaming in fake agony. And then from there, the signal cut out. There had to be somebody in the Chicagoland area that they were probably high on shrooms or acid, and they're just watching Doctor Who. And all of a sudden, this fucking nonsensical shit just starts coming through their TV. I bet you that freaked people the fuck out. Now, of course, the next day, the Max Headroom incident started to receive massive, m- massive media coverage because it was unprecedented. It was it was seemingly unprecedented at the time. For most people, it was un- it was completely unprecedented. A lot of people even called the station WTTW to see just what the hell was going on. I'm just picturing because like it was Doctor Who that was playing, and like nerds weren't even mainstream back then. You know, this is back when nerds were like, you know, you were you were still getting shoved in the lockers. I'm just imagining all these like fucking like 80s nerds just like just calling bitch into WTTW. It must have been just like nerd central calling in. I'm like like nobody that like wasn't nobody without giant Coke bottle glasses wasn't calling WTTW at that point. Now, the funny thing, too, is like the, the only reason we actually have footage because there was no one actually on duty during the transmission at the TV station. So, again, it's nerds because the only reason we have that footage is because we have it from people that literally taped it on their VCRs at the time. So this is literally a bunch of nerds that were like taping Doctor Who. And like now they have like this fucking signal intrusion and they're just pissed about it. Now, before we go any further, actually, let me go ahead and play the footage. I'll get you a hot drink, miss.
as I can tell, a massive electric shock. You died instantly. So the nerds, of course, were mad. A lot of people in Chicago actually, you know, they thought it was funny. They thought it was some just weird prank or something like that. Some were just confused. You know, like, why? Why is this happening? But the people that took it very seriously were the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. So that's the agency that regulates airwaves. And to them, this was a huge fucking deal. This was like... This was like oh, oh, this this was like the only time where like the FCC could send an agent to like a crime scene and, and get to pull the you know when some, and when somebody says they're in charge they get to go not anymore you're not this is like one of their big moments this is the big red alert for the FCC so they went into investigative overdrive they want they wanted to get their man here they wanted to get the man behind the mask here. Phil Bradford, who's an FCC spokesperson, said, I would like to inform anybody involved in this kind of thing that there's a maximum penalty of $100,000 or a year in jail or both. I assume he was like part of the uh, Chicago like branch of the FCC, so I assume he has a thick Chicago accent. Spokesperson for the TV station said, all in all, there are some who may view this as comical. But it is a very serious matter because illegal interference of a broadcast signal is a violation of federal law. So the FCC kind of went into like backtrack mode. They started to like kind of figure out how the signal was done. And they figured out that by placing uh, the dish, uh, the dish antenna between the transmitter tower, the hacker was able to actually interrupt the original signal very easily. Like all he had to do was like put a dish the right way. All you needed was like a little bit of know-how, some good timing and the right positioning. And they were able to do it. They were even able to like kind of pinpoint where the actual video had taken place. And because of the background in the incident, they were able to they were able to say like not like you know they were able to say that most likely it took place around a specific warehouse where the district had doors that were very similar to that so they're pretty sure they know where it happened but of course i'm sure by the time they got there they were dude was long gone so who was the guy behind the mask rumors about it have swirled for years but most of them were dismissed or debunked a lot weren't even investigated it was one of those things where it's like yeah the fcc was taking this seriously but you still got to remember this is chicago this is like this was so far down on like the, the local police investigative radar that most of these weren't even looked at. Eric Fournier was considered at one point because, uh, you know, a lot of like the the creative stuff that he that had been done by him was was you know very similar in like look. But again, people, people still like, you know, they, they're still just not sure. They don't they think it probably wasn't him. Fournier didn't seem to have like any kind of like experience with broadcast communication. So and they don't and they actually don't even think he was in Chicago at the time of the hack. So to this day, they still don't conclusively know who the hacker actually was. Now, what was the reason behind the hack? It definitely has a bit of a supervillain vibe to it, doesn't it? Like, this seems like something the Joker would do. Like, the Joker would, like, interrupt the Gotham, you know, the Gotham signal. And, you know, all of a sudden, Joker's on the air talking about a bunch of nonsense. I think he did that in the in the Tim Burton Batman, where, you know, he's just, like, doing his own thing. But, like, it doesn't seem like there was any kind of weird criminal endgame to this. It seems like it was an early form of trolling. To me, it comes off very much like... The people that were doing it were literally doing it because they could. They were doing it in an effort to be, uh, you know, th th this is basically before we could have like just people trolling at will. This is someone, th th these are people that thought trolling would be funny and went out of their way to do it. I, you know, I kind of think, feel like they did it a little bit like just as like kind of a weird protest. That's, that's another vibe I get from it. You know, pirate rate, you know, pirate TV just to do pirate TV. Like, you know, we did that. We showed we could do that. That's the vibe I get from it. The hackers were never caught. As far as we know, they were basically satisfied with what they had done and 
never had any kind of an other intrusions like that after that. Now, while these particular hackers don't seem to have ever had their own twisted Max Headroom character reappear, there have, of course, been other signal intrusions. In Australia in 2007, there was a situation where the, t the Canadian TV show Mayday was interrupted with an audio loop that just kind of went on and on going, Jesus Christ, help us all, Lord. Fun one is the Steve Wilco show. Y'all remember the Steve Wilco show? To, to remember the Steve Wilco show, you have to remember the Jerry Springer show. So do you remember the bald security guard on, on the Jerry Springer show? Well, due to the popularity of Jerry Springer, Steve actually got his own talk show. Pretty sure it was you know, it was similar. I never really watched it. It was like I think it was like kind of just a daytime talk show. And like Steve was kind of just like, you know, helping teens and doing weird shit like that. But they seem to have a little bit more fun with this one. I actually of all the signal hackings, I feel like this is the one that I have to respect the most. So with this one. A computer sounding audio message starting to play over the audio of the show, basically talking about a zombie apocalypse was happening. And the dead were rising from the grave and attacking the living. How freaked out do you think some people were with that? Some people were literally just, oh my God, it's happening. And one of the most fucked up ones happened locally in Arizona during the 2009 Super Bowl. Suddenly the signal was interrupted and 37 seconds of hardcore porn began to play during the during the Super Bowl broadcast. And then there was even one in 1987 where it was pretty much the exact opposite of the of the previous one. Where on Playboy TV, it was interrupted by some religious propaganda talking about repent, keep the Sabbath holy, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this was back before Pornhub. This was back before we had all of our pornography just right at the tip of our finger. Because, I mean, honestly, that's arguably more fucked up. And this may be my and this may be my uh, bias against church coming here. But these were people that were minding their own business in the you know in their own home. And all of a sudden, some fucking sermon starts coming through their shit. But like what's funny about it to me is you know there was there was there was some dudes who were trying to jerk off and they were probably right there they were probably so close and then all of a sudden this like christian sermon bullshit starts coming through the tv do you think any like do you think there were any like maybe like kids that were like having like a, a weird sexual like having their sexual awakening at that particular moment like they were jerking off that came through and something crossed in their brain that associated church with like an orgasm and so like anytime they'd go to church they'd be just rock hard that's a that's a real possibility is i'm not i got no confirmation of that complete speculation but is that not a real possibility so yeah there have been some really weird signal hackings the most famous being the max headroom incident but that's far from the only one there have been some really weird ones there have been some really interesting ones and you know as we move further and further into the digital age who knows what kind of weird monstrosities in this particular realm will begin to happen? You know, who knows what's going to happen with that? Cyberpunk, from a technological perspective, has only increased since, the, since these incidents and is only increasing day to day. What comes out of that? I suppose we'll have to wait to find out. Well, thanks for getting weird with me. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to go on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a five-star review. Uh, you know, it really helps visibility. It really helps with the show. If you're getting weird with me on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to leave a comment. Let me know what you think. If you want to be a little bit more discreet, you want to, you want to talk to me directly, you can email the show at weirdwidepodcast at gmail.com. You know, if you want to have any questions for Larry, you know, if you want to ask Larry any questions, if you want to suggest a topic for another episode, uh, if you just want to tell me some thoughts, tell me some thoughts that you had, or maybe, maybe there's a couple signal intrusions that I, I happen to miss. Let me know. Email me, weirdwidepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me directly. I'm on Instagram and TikTok as Dudist Weirdo. 
And don't forget, tell your friends about the show. We need to get more people drinking this Kool-Aid in here. We need to get more people in this little digital cult. So again, tell your friends. Let your friends know about it. Tell your family about it. You know, make people worried that Weird Wide is your new obsession. Make people worry about you. Make people wonder if you're okay because you are so obsessed with Weird Wide. I love you all. Don't forget to tune in next week for more strangeness. And until then, keep it weird. Weird.